Hello, I'm Paul Eaton, and this is In-Depth Commercial Real Estate. This show is an open exploration of the people, ideas, and methods behind commercial real estate. My guest today is Mark Roderick. Mark is a corporate and securities attorney. Today's topic is an area that Mark is a leading authority in, real estate crowdfunding. Mark, thanks a lot for coming on to the In-Depth Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. I know your specialty is crowdfunding, so could you tell us about what is real estate crowdfunding and how you found yourself involved in this space? Well, it was a clear blue day when I was born. Now, I have, uh, I've been practicing law since 1840, and I've always represented entrepreneurs and their businesses. And of course, that includes a lot of real estate entrepreneurs. And when you uh, represent entrepreneurs, you spend a lot of time helping them raise capital. And that's particularly true in the real estate world, because as they say, if you ever talk to a real estate person who is not trying to raise capital, call 911. He or she probably isn't breathing anymore. So, I, you know, I, I've spent a huge amount of time uh, navigating the treacherous waters of raising capital under the old rules. And we're basically talking about rules that came in effect in 1982. So when the Jobs Act, which is the law that created crowdfunding, came on the horizon, as someone who was very involved in that space, I realized that it was going to be transformative and disruptive and wonderful because I realized, I remember the day that I, we were talking about it, that it's just the internet. That's, that's a theme that I always want to say early on. It's just the internet coming to something else in our lives. You know, we use the internet for everything, whatever it is, ordering food for dinner tonight or making a plane reservation or hotel reservation or finding a, a mate. We use it for everything. And this is just one more thing. And when that clicked in my brain, of course, you know, what happens when the Internet comes to an industry? It's not little what happens. It's gigantic. And I said, this is going to be fantastic and it's challenging and exciting. And this is something that I want to be part of. So that, that's how I got involved. And it has, you know, it has been, it has done just what I thought it was going to do, which is grow and grow and grow and grow. And it's about to grow more. It's just the Internet. You know, Amazon doesn't get smaller every day. It all, the Internet just comes, just comes into our lives. It is a pervasive connectedness. And in the case of real estate crowdfunding, what the internet is doing is connecting investors and sponsors or developers directly. That's what the internet always does. Whether it's Amazon connecting buyers and sellers of shoes, the internet connects people, gets rid of middlemen. And goodness knows the capital formation industry up until this point is, has been filled with middlemen taking little slices off the top, which add up to very large slices. But I mean, this is what's happening. The investors, as investors become more and more aware of the opportunities and entrepreneurs become more and more aware of the opportunities, the two of them connect. And lo and behold, you have this growing 
industry, which is super exciting. Generally, portals raise funds through Title II, Title IV, and Title III. How would you describe each of those titles? Okay, so I'm going to be try to be super quick because this is where this is where if you had data, you would see you're you're going to lose fifty percent of your audience from having asked me that question. Because so this is how it works: when laws are passed in this country, you know, laws can be long, and when they're long, they're divided into pieces. And the pieces of a law in the United States are called titles. And I say that because your audience might wonder why we're talking about Title II crowdfunding, Title III crowdfunding, and Title IV. It is only because those are the sections of the Jobs Act in which they appear. The Jobs Act was signed into law in 2012, and different pieces of it have become effective since then. So very quickly, Title II crowdfunding, which is the kind that probably most of your audience is familiar with, is it looks like an old-fashioned capital raise, an old-fashioned private placement. So anyone used to that world is not going to find anything startling with one exception. And that exception is now you can advertise. That's what makes it crowdfunding. You can have a website. Back in the old days, meaning pre-2013, could never advertise. Everyone, all your audience who has been raising money before then would tell you one thing they know for sure about the law of raising capital is that you know if you're doing a garden apartment in Austin, you definitely, definitely cannot advertise. Well, now you can't. And... The only corresponding rule in Title II crowdfunding is that all your investors, not all the people who see your advertisements, but the people who actually write you checks, have to be accredited investors, which, as your audience probably knows, generally means people earning more than 200000 a year or 300 with a spouse or have a net worth of a million dollars without uh, taking into account your, your house. On the advertising, yes. can only the portal do the advertising, or can the sponsor also advertise? Anyone can advertise. Okay. The issuer can advertise, the portal can advertise, and you can advertise any way you want to advertise. You can, of course, the most likely is you have a website, but you can have radio advertisements and TV advertisements. And if you live at the New Jersey Shore, you know, they pull those, those airplanes, pull those advertising banners during the summer. You can advertise there. There is no form of advertising that you cannot use entitled to crowdfunding. And that has been where, you know, 95% of the money has been raised so far on the couple big crowdfunding sites, Real Crowd and CrowdStreet. They are titled to crowdfunding sites, accredited investors only, and they raise a heck of a lot of money. You know, they're up to doing deals. They're raising 10, 15, 20 million dollars for a single deal. They started out doing $100,000 fix and flips, and now they're up to that level. And as you know, you, there's a lot of deals. <laughs> you can raise 10 million dollars. A lot of deals in this country. Is there a limit of how much a sponsor can raise in Title II? There is no limit whatsoever. Okay. 
and it raised a billion dollars. And it, at the rate Austin is going, actually, it's probably how much a garden apartment complex is going to cost in Austin before too long. Well, I'm based in Dallas, and yes. So that's Title Two. Title Four. I'm going to leap over Title Three for a second. Title Four, also known as Regulation A, is like a mini public offering, and you have you you go to the SEC with your big prospectus, and the SEC looks at it and finally approves it after going back and forth. It takes about four months. Relatively expensive in terms of legal fees. But the, the benefit is that you can raise money from accredited and non-accredited investors. And there, here there is a limit. You can raise up to $75 million per deal per year. Okay? That's Regulation A, Title IV. Title III is the new kid on the block. It's really unlike anything we have ever seen before in the U.S. securities laws. And this is the one where it's all done online through a licensed funding portal. You don't talk to people on the phone. You don't send FedEx envelopes back and forth. It's all electronic, all done from a website. The sponsor is allowed to raise, as of two weeks ago today, the sponsor is allowed to raise $5 million per year. But that's all of the sponsor's deals. So if the sponsor's doing five garden apartment buildings, then he or she can, you know, raise on average one million each per year. And that's five million through a Title III title raise. Three. Uh, the sponsor could also raise further funds uh, in a more traditional way through his contacts in the community. Absolutely, or through Title II, and that's the way it's, it's often done. You want to raise. $8 million, we do a side-by-side -side offering. It's a nice kind of expression. We do a Title III offering, and right next to it, on the same platform, we do a Title II offering. So in that way, you can exceed the $5 million limit. But that $5 million used to only be $1 million. And it used to be that accredited investors were limited in Title III, um, just as uh, non-accredited investors are. So those are the things that changed two weeks ago today. So now accredited investors can invest as much as they want. Non-accredited are still subject to fairly strict limits. And you can raise up to $5 million rather than $1 million. And those two changes together, mark my words, are about to make, are making today, Title III crowdfunding is going to be the place to raise capital in this country for everyone. You know, it up until this point, since 1982, when Regulation D was issued by the SEC, it's been Rule 506. That's where most private capital is raised. That is about to change because, again, you can fund an awful lot of deals with $5 million. Awful lot of startups can get funded with $5 million, and maybe not in Austin anymore, but in a lot of the country, you know, and not in Manhattan and San Francisco, places like that. But a lot of the country, you can fund a lot of real estate with a $5 million equity check. So this, and, you know, Title III allows non-accredited to participate. So you get a much larger capital pool. You get to include the neighbors 
in your offering. You know, Title III has a lot of benefits, and uh, that that is really that's where where the action is going to be raising capital, even for real estate. In my always modest opinion, but I I absolutely see it moving there. This is this is the time for sponsors and investors, but sponsors to really focus on on Title III. So. So that's it. That's a summary of Title II, Title III, and Title IV. Can a sponsor create their own portal and run their deal through their own portal? That's a fabulous question because you would think so, but the answer is no. One of the strange rules about Title III is that the folks who own the portal cannot use the portal to fund their own deals. And it's about, the rule is about, so the portal doesn't have any extra incentive, you know, to unduly publicize the deal, even though it's a lousy deal. And I, I mean, I, I think the reality is, I think most investors would prefer that the portal have, you know, money at stake in, in the deals that they're issuing. But that's not how the rule is written. So I can't tell you how many times. People call me. I had a call this morning with a fellow, all excited about creating a funding portal to raise money for his own deals. Can't do it. So, great question. Can a sponsor create a portal as a business, even though they have other business interests and they're simply not going to run their own deals through that portal, but they're going to create a portal to as a business? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think some will. And I think some developers may find, may do that and may find that the portal business is the more profitable business. It's certainly possible. I've been following the crowdfunding growth over the last I don't know, two or three years. And primarily what I see are multifamily deals. Do you see an opportunity for other asset classes to become involved in the in the crowdfunding space? For example, industrial, retail, office. Yes, absolutely, and and it is happening. I think the emphasis on multifamily has simply been a function of the real estate industry as a whole has been focused on on multifamily, and I'm not a real estate guy, so I don't know why, <laughs> but I just tell you over the last five years. Nine out of 10 people who call me about real estate tell me that they're doing multifamily. But anyway, I mean, right now, I have a client who is on the real crowd portal raising something north of $10 million for an industrial real estate fund, you know, using, using Title II crowdfunding. So, yes, it is absolutely happening. I, I do a lot these days. I've been doing a lot of mobile home parks, self-storage units. Right. So, yes, it is, I think, all, every real estate asset class, maybe with the exception of, you know, ground-up residential development. I really, you really don't see that. And maybe you as a real estate guy could explain why, maybe just the risk, reward, whatever. I'm not sure why, but I, I don't really see those. But other real estate classes, absolutely. I would imagine that initially the focus will be on deals that have less risk. And as this market becomes more mature, then you may start seeing 
higher risk opportunities, i.e. development opportunities, begin to raise more money? I don't know. Do you think there'll be some opportunities for specialized portals? You know, they specialize in office or retail. I absolutely do. And just, I mean, I, this is, you know, I I joke about my powers of prediction, but I have thought from the beginning that you were going to see the market segment itself in lots of ways, because as you know, the real estate market is gigantic. I don't know how many trillion dollar a year market this, but so I thought it would segment geographically, you know, and, you know, verticals. I thought you'd see a Manhattan office building portal because how big is that market, you know, by itself? That has not happened yet. I still think it will happen, but my friends at Crowd Street and Real Crowd, you know, the two big portals, Maybe, maybe they know better than I do, and, and I'm sure they uh, hope it doesn't segment. Or, or maybe I should say they might be working right now, uh, you know, as we speak on segmenting their own brands within, you know, a, a real crowd industrial sector, a crowd street residential sector. But the market is so big, however, I do expect it to segment and The only question in my mind is, but what about Amazon? You only need one Amazon. You know, there's not an Amazon for shoes and an Amazon for televisions. There's an Amazon. Is real estate investing like buying televisions and shoes? It doesn't have that feel to me, but I will say that it hasn't happened so far. For a sponsor who's considering using the Jobs Act to raise money, what are some of the concerns or thoughts they should have about making that decision? Well, I mean, my main advice would be go for it because the capital is there. You know, as, as, as a lawyer, my advice is usually take the check. You, you do want to make sure, like from a legal perspective, documents that you have been using when you have three or four investors are not exactly appropriate for the if you're going to have 173 investors, you know, there's just some things, you know, you don't, for example, you don't want to give all your investors the right to come in and inspect your books <laughs> every time of day. You don't want to give your investors, you know, veto rights over doing things like refinancing the project or, or things like that. So in, in the details, there are some changes that you want to make to the way you've been doing things. But the big picture is, yeah, the the money is there. The likelihood is that you will get a better deal from the retail public than you were getting from, you know, your three or four professional investors. So there's just, yeah, there's there's no reason. Again, it, I mean, the question makes absolute sense. But in the same way that back in 1993, people used to say, well, do you really think I should use email? You know, yes, (laughs) it's the Internet. This is the future. So it's just a it's not a question of whether a developer is going to try to raise capital using crowdfunding. It's just a question of when. Looking forward, what are some of your concerns that you have? What would trip the growth up for the rise of the crowdfunding in real estate? 
Well, I think if you ask anyone in the industry, one of the answers all of us would give is bad guys. The more money there is in crowdfunding, the more bad guys are going to be attracted to it. You know what I'm talking about. The boiler room guys, you know, the, the crooks. And there are going to be crooks coming into the crowdfunding space and trying to do bad things. And, of course, the, the, the minute that happens in any significant way, that's going to get a lot of press and will set the industry back. Hasn't happened so far. The industry, because on the real estate side, most of the deals are done through these very reputable platforms, and they vet the deals and they vet the sponsors. It hasn't happened, but the likelihood is that it's going to happen. One other thing that's going to happen, you know, I said that the Internet gets displaces middlemen, and crowdfunding is displacing middlemen. Well, if you think about Manhattan, and maybe Dallas, but certainly Manhattan, from the East River to the Hudson, those are all middlemen, if you think about it. And middlemen have a lot of political power. Every time you try, you know, it's like we shouldn't have to pay H&R Block to prepare our, our tax returns. It would be very easy for the, to just do it all electronically through the government by free, for free. But Intuit, you know, the tax preparation software folks, they spend tens of millions. They, I don't know about the number. They spend a lot of money every year lobbying Congress to not do that, to protect their business. And as more and more money flows into crowdfunding and away from the middlemen, you are going to find political pressure. It will come in the form of, well, you know, we have to protect consumers. This is only safe if we get to take a chunk of the investor's money. So that that is going to happen in, in a smaller way. I mean, the industry now, as dynamic as it is, is still only on version about 1.6 of the, the way it can be. It is the way disclosures are made, the way legal documents are signed is very like 1998 still. And there's a lot of improvement, huge amount of improvement. The industry is still in its earliest stages. And I think if we could improve that, which I'm sure we can, then the industry is going to grow even faster. Well, Mark, thank you so much for um, giving us your point of view on the crowdfunding space. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for for having me. Um, You know, I'm pretty evangelical about it, very enthusiastic. Thank you for listening to this episode of In-Depth Commercial Real Estate. 